like kind of shocked actually. <laughs> really? I feel like I have nothing better to do than do this. It's such an honor and a privilege to be on a cool podcast. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think funny. it's just kind know. of like an it's just such a free form project that I don't I just kind of like to talk to people who I think are interesting and amazing and ask them uh pretty simple questions like I think I think the one sort of stream is like um like what's something that you know a lot about it that's really personal to you and other people may not know this about you so I know we spoke about like landscaping and <laughs> you you post a lot of really beautiful pics and I just wanted to say um oh, should I, I forgot to send you the the photos oh yeah just, just you could send yeah. them to me now like this yeah, is I'll send them to you right now <laughs> yeah we're Wait, working this right. We we can work all of this out in real time. I think that's how stuff gets. I, uh, I think that's great. Like I'm a big fan of that. I don't know. Yeah, just, I I love how you say that people talk too much and don't do as much. And I think that still recovering. I, I did a fucking um, clubhouse. Oh yeah, I, I listened to part of that. Yeah. Oh God, I was like. I thought that the silver lining of COVID would be that panel discussions would just be dead forever. But then Clubhouse like reared its ugly head and not, and then there's just more than ever. Like that kind of like sort of professional corporate like format is is really hard for me. Um, I just, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like podcasts are cool because it's just, I, I I like things ca casual and also like I mean I'm just so scared now, especially in like a more professional format to like say anything fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, and then you're just at the mercy of like people and like asking you weird questions. I mean, everything was fine yesterday, but like um, I don't. I feel it's like I feel very exposed in a way that I'm not comfortable with at yeah. all. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely like a sort of, um, I think a really, uh, kind of like beautiful arcane internet, um, narrative language to your art. And I think the, hearing you talk about it, you have such a concise understanding or, or reading of, of the internet. And I think, and I think this is kind of something that I think a lot about too, is like with social media and especially now with Clubhouse, it's like mediating these crazy group facilitations that feel like impromptu business luncheons. Like I, I, I'm like really sort of confused by Clubhouse myself. It just like, I understand that there's this kind of like you know, embedded social network that takes the pretensions away from framing it as something other than just networking. Like, I understand that. But um, part of me is like, what is artistic and fun about it? Like, I, I want to start like clubhouse rooms where I just like, it's no dialogue. It's just like field recordings of birds and like, <laughs> stuff 
that's like um and everyone just brings a field recording and they communicate through music and non-language and i think that's kind of would probably kick you out though like that's the problem with this, this kind of stuff is like you can't really do anything you're like they really want you to use the thing how you're supposed to use it to like yeah like network i forget i think there was like a a red scare episode like a while back about the difference between like basically like networking and like hanging out or like um uh kind of like meaningful community like making like meaningful connections versus just networking which is like all people do nowadays is network and it never stops there's no it's like an email it's just like it goes on and on and on um whereas like i've never been really interested in that type of socializing like you want because it's not it's like so surface level it's not meaningful it's like you're just using whatever people you know to like climb one rung higher up the ladder and then that's that like there's no um yeah like the only that's why like i mean the only really form of social media that i i like semi care about anymore is twitter i feel like i have i don't know for the most part like i i mean before people are just going to start getting more and more banned which is obviously a problem but like i still feel like i can make like kind of i have like meaningful friend like twitter friendships or something yeah. like that I, I always find that the, the most meaningful friendships that I accumulate on Twitter are always like the, the people who are most cryptic and sort of schizo and how they approach it. And they right. and it just I think it's like a way for people who are actually like very sweet, kind individuals to um, sort of like exercise that side of themselves and, and it's but it's never in a mean or antagonistic way like i i think that's one of the things the part of the problem that i have with twitter is it does have this embedded logic of of people sort of like being mean to each other and like owning each other right, and there is right. that sort of like trolling logic to it and i think that's something that i that's probably why i like it. <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, there's a lot of great stuff um it's just it's it's like playing poker or something. You have to pick and choose, you know, which friends you you show your whole hand to. And I think some people just For kind sure. of like they expose their whole deck of cards. And I think it can be I've been thinking a lot about this recently. It can be really sort of detrimental to long form <clears throat> creative projects in For general. Sure. Um Yeah. So also like there's just no mystery anymore in the world, which is like uh that and like i was thinking about that in like regards to something like like these all these platforms like instagram or or clubhouse like i i feel i feel especially like those really take away so much mystery about people and it's sort of it's really unattractive when there's yeah. no mystery. um like it just it just sucks like and i it's funny like um i i i don't know when this changed like when I don't like operate as a person who thinks who assumes that people want to know everything about me. I think that's a very like very psycho. Yeah. Um, you know, like to I I I'm always surprised like even when you contacted me to do this like I'm always like oh my gosh like someone I like wants to talk to me. I just I don't assume anything and now but there's like all these people who think that every like thing that they do is like 
really like they're just very self like just entitled self-important people and it just like i feel like there's just mass like mental illness out there right now in terms of like the way that people live their life it's so weird well i also think and this is something i think a lot about as well is that that's sort of like mass mental illness or like people thinking that they're somehow like important we're kind of moving we're ushering in this kind of post anthropocentric time where we can kind of dissolve the human and start reattaching ourselves to like other forms of non-sapient intelligence and whether that's natural or inorganic or whatever you want to call it. I think that there's like a beauty to kind of like riding that wave, which is why I'm actually like really interested in blockchain right now. Just as yeah. just as a thing, because um, there's there's some pretty good essays on it, but it is sort of like this non sapient form of intelligence where it's not about dialect, it's not about anything. It has its own truth procedure, just kind of like nature. Right. And I think right. that there's I think that there's a beauty to that. And I have to say. Like my digital stuff is kind of in, it's in, kind of inspired by you because you take organic stuff. And I don't, I don't even know how you make your stuff, but I've, and I, I'm like, sound like a total like fanboy, but I've always really liked your style of work. And oh my I, God, thank you so much. That's, I don't know. It's always like, I, I mean, that never gets old hearing that. Cause it just, I never know. Like when, uh, yeah, I just, I sort of, I, I guess I have a certain aesthetic, um, but I don't, but I don't try to, you know, yeah. like I just sort of, I just kind of like, it's, I, I work in a really intuitive way and I just sort of like, we'll select an image that I like. And it's so hard to say exactly like I can't, uh, this is why I always really like in the past, like just in general, I have such a hard time with like yeah, panel discussion format. I'm just simply not the type of artist that like really can ex- like explain step by step, like why I like to do something. I'd rather yeah. think, I, I just want to make it and then kind of think about it later. Yeah. And like the more I think about it, usually the worse the thing is. To be totally. Like, yeah. It always happens to me. There's yeah. just like simply people with different styles of making things. Um, but then like, I don't know, in the past, I've like sat on these panel discussions or like the muse- the museums and institutions. And there's these like artists that have these, like they, they read theory all day and they have these like big, long explanations. I'm just like, I don't know. I just like cut up an image in Photoshop. Like it's, it sounds so, uh, yeah. I'm always like, but yeah, I just, I, I can't be any, I can't like be that person that that uh, is like having the big, the big explanation about their work or something. Yeah, um, it's very, I think- I'm interested in like very classical things. Like I just keep it so like the subject matter is so simple. Um, I think. Can- oh, so, sorry. Sorry. So, what are you saying? I was just gonna say like in terms of like me like it can just mean anything to anyone. Like I also, I'm not like interested in, in like assigning inherent meaning to my work. Like it's meaningful to me. And if it's meaningful to someone else in like whatever way that is, like I'm fine with that, but I don't like, um, 
I'm not, there's like nothing to really get or not get. It just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent can, I kind of, well, that's kind of, uh, I think that's a really good philosophy in this kind of, in the kind of landscape we're in right now, um, to have actually, um, just just because I think people are so busy trying to explicate things because in order to generate like accrue some sort of like inorganic form of attention or like alliances, people need to right. like constantly have to explain themselves as we're like, right. I kind of see podcasting. Like I had a friend tell me this and he's, you know, studied like deconstruction with Jacques Derrida was this like professor and he was like, the way you podcast and talk is like, you're like a non-talker. So it's almost <laughs> has this kind of novel effect where it's like, you're not even talking at all. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. Like, I'm not like trying to lay out like facts or like, you know, be like super informative or like formal about anything. It's just sort of like... I don't know. I think there's something like really liberating and freeing about non-information. Oh, totally. I mean, that's because we're just expected, like everything that people do now is, is supposed to have like a purpose and like a, uh, yeah, like everything's supposed to be a fucking side hustle or this or that. Like, um, I, it just is like, yeah, it's actually the most, <laughs> one of the most radical things you can do at this point is just to kind of like, do nothing or do like really simple things that mean nothing um just to sort of like go against what uh yeah everything is supposed to like make money or this or that i i don't know um yeah i guess it just goes back to the networking thing everything is supposed to have like a purpose and a networking like propel you forward socially or financially or whatever and um it's just so exhausting and i don't think art lives in this place at all yeah but at the same time i think you know you're a successful artist and i think part of the reason why is because you're like one of the few crazy people who like doesn't give a fuck and always had that sort of like irreverence towards um like that kind of like status or whatever it's it's like embedded in what you do and i think that that's kind of like the irony is that when people are strivers for these mm -hmm. kind of like material things and they give up like the immaterial, which is like what art is, is I think striving towards, you know, it's I, like Paul Schrader had a pretty good quote on that. He was like, art and religion are just two different pathways to the same goal. It's uh, to unmaterial the world. And I think that, when people start to see things in this like materialistic way, which is almost like um, the weird thing about NFTs is it's like this hybrid thing. And right. I'm like, just, I'm like just finally figuring it this out because like to own an NFT is to sort of like personalize it or create some sort of like Eros out of it through like personal ownership, even though, all, you know, obviously since the 90s, um, uh, you know, intellectual property has been laws are just basically null and void. It's like a way to sort of like half reclaim it, but right. not really. And part of me is like, well, art 
is inherently kind of elitist and there shouldn't be any sort of like pretense that it's not. So I don't really see the problem with that in any way. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, I rarely see, like, I'm definitely not the type of person to like pick at problems. Like I know, yeah, there's been all the talk about like environmental stuff or then like, uh, oh, is this like some utopian form of like, or like for artists, like reclaiming their like uh, means of living or making a living. I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, for me, it's like, it's so easy. Like what I've already been doing, it just like slots in so easy to it. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. People always want to have these big conversations about stuff. I think it's <laughs> all of this is still early days. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, but yeah, I mean, I just, my, my, I guess my met, like I've always just tried to do everything that I like release as much as possible any in any form or anywhere like whether that be the gal like the gallery system or museums or whatever like I've sort of just wanted to like try it all I never really understood the mindset of people who were like hyper worried about what like where they were showing or even like even within that like people would be like bugging out about like whose work was hanging next to theirs or something which i always thought was a crazy waste of energy like yeah. you can't control that like and like worry about your own stuff like if your work is good enough it shouldn't matter if it's hanging in a fucking 7-eleven like really yeah yeah um, totally and people are always just uh, for me it always just like showed this weakness in like they're just la- and, like lack of conviction which is also very unattractive for an artist or something like you just sort of have to like like if you're gonna do it just do it and like stand behind your fucking thing you know yeah Um, yeah as much as possible like i think it's always it's difficult but that's like i don't know it's just that i think that it's like you can give your work a power in that way or like uh yeah and it just then then it doesn't matter because like i mean early on i started working with this like controversial art dealer who i mean who everyone like hated and i thought he was, i know like, i know who you're talking about <laughs> Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah and all the like people had a lot of problems but he, they were like oh he's taking advantage he's taking advantage but like this guy like wanted to pay me i moved to la basically because of him because i would i sold him videos to pay for my rent like what like webcam videos and i had like no money and at the time i was like how and i really wanted to get out of santa barbara i'd like been back home for a while and i was like i don't i just don't inherently like i don't feel taken advantage of at all like i'm literally like paying like able to like live in a new city and kind of like be where i want to be um and i can pay for that with a fucking webcam video like yes sign me up you know (laughs) um and but people are like, oh, you know, you really should be saving these videos or this or for some institution, like, as if I, it's like, I don't know, people just get so ahead of themselves. And like, I can make more work, I can build, I can do like, I can do whatever. It just like, um, I don't I don't know. It just, it always was so odd to me. Um, I never felt taken advantage of or anything like that. and. A lot of people who are like claiming to be taken advantage of by him, like 
they they made so many deals and they they got so much out of the relationship or something so i didn't really understand that either it was like it was like a me too like kind of mindset right yeah. like sort of retroactively like you make a deal with someone or you hook up with someone whatever and then like years <laughs> later you go back and be like yeah that was like not cool or whatever and i just don't under i i, I can't even like understand that mindset of like like you were either propelled forward or you weren't, but either way you learn something yeah. like isn't what life is about and just like take responsibility for your decisions and your actions. Like that's what being an adult is. And like, yeah. that's actually the only way that your life, like people's lives will get better if they just like take responsibility for their decisions and like, okay, so you either like made a good one or a bad one, but like either way you've moved forward and like, that's that. Yeah. There's no like going back to like sort of destroy people's reputations or lives. Like it's so like that's yeah, like this whole I feel like everyone is just so sick in the head right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I do too. It no, it's uh, like a hundred percent. And I think I think one of the biggest issues is like it's like uh um uh what do you call it? Um it's it's basically just that sort of idea that um you're not really beholden to anybody around you. It's like, uh, it's, there's, there's so many issues, I think, with the kind of like contemporary mindset where it's like, you get something, you make a transaction. And then, yeah, it's like you said, retroactively um, using it because other people had made that same transaction. So it's like a way to sort of create a schism of uniqueness between yourself. And honestly, like people who, may even see themselves as like below oneself is where anything that I've gotten in life, I'm just, I feel like infinitely grateful for or something. It's so, it's like so weird. And that's kind of why in podcasting, I see people who like, you know, like I've had pretty big guests on my show and I've had guests who have like zero follow, you know, have like no 200 followers. It's not, to me, that's not what's important. What's important is that you find people who I think exemplify something that you see to be beautiful and wonderful, and right. you try to talk to them about what they do and what their experience is. It's like, yeah, sure, like I want to find the next Albert Einstein working in harvesting crops in Vietnam or like whatever, you know, <laughs> like that's right. just, that's just kind of my mindset about things. And, sure. and I think that, I think that there is this issue because it keeps the dynamic stationary. Like if you can retroactively take something back or say, well, if I worked with, you know, Stefan, Sim, um, or whoever, I'm not going to yeah, yeah. like name his name or whatever. Uh, but it, it, you, if you do stand by something, for me, I've talked to people who are like super fucking controversial, and I've talked mm -hmm. to people who are super uncontroversial. But at the end of the day, if you're willing to sort of go to many different polls, you're not going to get in any trouble. Like no one right. is going to do anything because you've you've escaped you know, or you've at least mitigated the effects of like codification. And I think yeah. that that's, especially now is really, really important to do. And part of that is honestly just like taking ownership and realizing that a lot of these, 
a lot of these actions or transactions, whatever you have, are so fleeting that they right. don't that they don't even really like matter that much beyond twenty, you know, beyond whatever you know the typical algorithmic cycle is. It right. runs its course, and then you you move on. So yeah, yeah, no, nothing matters. Like all this stuff, all these moves that people think are like so big or something, or like who they yeah in terms of like the art world, who they show with or something. It just is like. You can actually just, uh, if you have like opportunities to like show, I, I don't know, it's almost like minus a few things here or there. It's almost like never a bad idea just to like do anything you possibly can, like, you know, high brow or low brow. It just doesn't, just simply doesn't matter. Like um, I'm a really weird mix of person, like for example, the first first podcast I ever did was I was on fucking girl boss, which is like, Oh, wow. Like legit, uh, on, um, which is like, you know, that's almost like a slur nowadays. Um, and no disrespect to Sophia. Like I actually love, like she, I really respect her grift. Like I think that whole like brand really got away from her as like a person, but like, she's, she is pretty cool. But like the, the, the girl boss thing just became so wrapped up in something way bigger, way, way, way bigger than her. But, um, yeah. So I like, I'll do like a girl boss podcast and then I'll do, you know, I'll be on like something just so like, like this, like this is way <laughs> different than that. Um, I just don't, it's like so interesting just to talk to all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, but just in general, I just have like a lot of respect for people who do things. Um, same it's like yeah and like starting a pod like podcasting seems very similar to like art in the sense where people are like you know people can be very critical and be like uh about people's work or their or their podcast but it's like okay you you know it's available this is available for you to do if you would like to do it and then if you actually try to do it it might not be as as easy as you think like it's um but it's there's a lot of bravery and like actually just do doing things instead of uh just like complaining about them yeah yeah yeah. i Um, i i think yeah i think negative dialectics has sort of run its course in (laughs) and and i personally i'm just super over all of that stuff but yeah i think it's just good to like do more like when i started this i was just like super depressed and um, wasn't really happy with music. So it was like, well, why don't I just start making my own music for a podcast and doing yeah. visuals for it? Because one thing that I guess we have in common is we're both art school dropouts. I was a <laughs> fine art major at Cal arts. Um, and you know, I just remember feeling like strangely out of place there. Like I was the only person in the art program that had come from public high school i remember they asked like raise you, they were like raise that's, your that's... so i think that was like actually like that was a big deal to me you know yeah. just because i i always like associated like private school kids as like being better than me or something like that i was like oh right. wow this is this is kind of weird. Like I was like a tagger too. And <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble because I, I made these acrylic paintings that like trivialized feminist art, like Nan Golden. And they were like super cartoony and you know, like, I, 
you talk about that with I listened to the episode with um when you had Asher on and I think you were was that the one or maybe it was with Dasha where you guys were talking you were talking about them yeah 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 I was laughing so much they sounded so funny and like um yeah but you got in big trouble for it. Yeah, I got in trouble for it, but I was, I, but I don't think I was saying anything that was remotely controversial. I was like, these people are perpetuating this cycle of then, you know, victimizing, especially I think with, with Nan Golden, somebody who's like, you know, trying to find this scene of nitty gritty variation of feminism and, and self mythology that like can. You know, it's it's like that way of just sort of like creating that narrative and let of, instead of letting things just be kind of like organic. I mean, obviously it was reactionary for me to do that, but I was fucking nineteen years old. Like yeah, I, would, I wouldn't do that um, shit now. You know, like no, but you're like that's a thing though. I mean, I I just like never in my life have I ever or will be ever offended by art in any capacity. Like I think, um, but yeah, I also just to like. I mean, it's like a young man, like man with a lot of energy and just like kind of having like, I don't know, art schools need to like recognize that that there's there's no harm in like someone trying to do something like that. Like, it's just not that big of a deal. Like, it's, I I don't know. There, people go through like phases and stuff and like, especially young people, but um, now, yeah, I can't even, well, what, what year was, was I, that was oh five. Okay. So. Yeah, we. Yeah, I was like, I started going to, um, like, uh, we're kind of the same age. Like, I started yeah, going to. Yeah. CC, I was like at CCA for one semester at the end of two thousand four, and then I was at like Parsons, um, in New York for a couple of years, like two thousand six ish, two thousand eight. But um, uh, but now, like, I think. If, if you even do one thing like that, you could get in really big trouble and like get, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just, it's, it's so, it's so weird, but I, but I remember it back sort of back then in the kind of landscape I was in. And to me, it wasn't, you know, because this sort of like, um, quote unquote culture war, which I think is like totally hammed up. And I think if you pay it too much Lord. attention, you know, it will manifest itself like any sort of like vessel of energy in the world. I mean, that's just sort of how things happen. But it like it didn't really reify itself at the time. To me, I saw it more as like, I like heavy metal and I'm like a tagger. And this is, I went to like public school or whatever. And um, I was like super shy and I didn't really talk to people very much. And I just sort of felt you know, sort of naturally alienated from the institution, not because of anything political or anything. Like I was a very apolitical person. I'm still like, honestly, pretty apolitical. Um, And like my whole thing is I just like, I guess I just own guns and I like freedom of speech or something like that. And that's kind of all I think about. I'm not... Yeah, I just, you know, I like to shoot guns sometimes and I like art that is able to sort of express itself and generate and, you know, the things that are self-generating and if they can't be, then like I have a problem with it, you know, because then because then it can't create legs and other meanings and 
And I'm also kind of like a self-avowed postmodernist in that I think the narrative structures are kind of like decrepit and old and calcifying themselves. But this is like the irony of the kind of like contemporary, you I don't know what you would say, like me too discourse and art is it's basically like you're still resurrected. You're still solidifying a narrative mm-hmm. when when we don't need like it wouldn't it be more progressive to like not put a box around things at all and let things be as you said like mysterious and ambiguous and sort of like beautiful in a weird way i don't know right no i know i just like um defining every little like explaining every little thing about art is like the least sexy like cool thing i can think of (laughs) yeah or, or like music or just anything yeah but um, yeah i felt i like and like younger people now because like i don't know for me like while you were describing with your cal arts experience like i don't know how to articulate it other than it just seems kind of like it sounds a little bit corny but like it seems like an energy issue like anyone kind of that is like young with a lot of energy they're pr- they might get themselves into a bit of trouble with art yeah. school you're like they ask you to like I don't know, think different, like blah, blah, blah. And then like you actually do something that's kind of like has like some edge to it and then you get in trouble, which is just like, it, it's so silly. Um, and I, yeah, I, I can't believe we haven't like moved past that. Um, but apparently we haven't. Well, it's back, just- I mean, back then, you know, you had, you had sort of like bad boys in art too like that was you know like jake and dino's chapman like you could you could get away with a lot more back then like i remember uh like that you could get away with so much more back then so it wasn't it wasn't like it would be this thing where like you would have some people who didn't like it but then you would have like your advocates for it and people who would back you up but now it's gotten to this point where everything's become so insidious that because people have this fear of, you know, losing whatever they've accrued that like no one will take your side. Like my mentor at school was this one-eyed Marxist Leninist guy who everybody was like trying to kick out and cancel. And, you know, they called him like every name in the book and, uh, as misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. Uh, really great guy, John Mandel, super interesting guy. And he, and he like really advocated for me. And that was like actually weird because people associate Marxism with like anti-free speech, but he was like a total advocate of it. And so was Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. I mean, what do you, where do you think dialectics come from? (laughs) You know, like that's, that's like the kind of like irony of it is, in in this kind of like everything needs to be academically placed and revised and like recontextualized and you have to see things like historically in these different ways it's like what about just like being basic and just like (laughs) having fun and being yourself and just saying whatever you want like I don't know I'm a huge advocate of being basic (laughs) I try to practice it daily um yeah I know I'm always like whenever I, uh, yeah, I was like trying not to just say fun yesterday in the clubhouse thing because I sound like such a like moron 
child, like just being like, I just make things to have fun. But um, it's, that is, to be honest, like that is really, it's not, it's not far off. I will say that. Oh um, yeah. But that's like, so much better. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. But the, yeah, people don't, they don't like to hear it. Um, but, but, but why? I don't know. I guess because it just seems too simple, even though it's not simple. I think I, I also do it like, uh, like I think when I show my stuff to other people, like the back end of it, the files or something, I'm always like kind of surprised that people are somewhat impressed because it just seems pretty normal and simple to me. But um, I, I usually like sell myself pretty short in terms of that kind of stuff. Like, um, but then... But I never try, like, I, I actually, I try very, very hard to, like, make things look kind of simple and nice and effortless. Like, no one wants, I personally don't like to, it's very uncomfortable to watch things that are overthought and, like, look like they, you know, it was, like, grueling to make or something, for the most part. I mean, yeah. Maybe film is, like, but that's, like, a whole other, I would say, like, cinema that's a whole other thing. Cause that just, it just requires so many people and whether you want it to or not, like you just know how, well, I guess most people know how, how much work goes into that. It's very, very hard to do. Yeah, that. it is. It's, I, it's, I have no desire to, to be a filmmaker <laughs> whatsoever. Like just the amount of people you have to work with is. So oh, it's, Maybe it's later, so, yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, I worked on, a movie for my first time this last year, uh, TFW No GF, and I was like yeah, shocked at how many people it took to just not just like because obviously Alex, she was the creative force behind it, and she was the mm -hmm. editor and director, but just like how many producers you need just to like litigate for the for the artist, which is like yeah. basically what I was doing. I mean, like, yeah, I did some like music for it and stuff like that and did some like finishing things, but I was just like shocked at how much goes into that. Only I uh, partially just because I think our tours and artists, they need so much um, backing and representation. It's like they almost need like bodyguards because there's so much yeah. like parasocial shit that just like goes along with doing anything like that. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's very, it just like the thought of it is very overwhelming to me as like a person who mostly likes to work by themselves. Um, I mean, luckily with the NFT thing, like for the first time, Jamie and I had a real reason to call, like work together. It just was so uh just was like so natural to like pair his music with with like um the short video of the painting and like yeah. but and we've known each other for 20 years and it just but it's like yeah and some i mean i i would say that's a really positive thing about nfts or something is that i think or and podcasts or something where it got, kind of gives you this excuse to like just talk to people or collaborate with them that you might normally not have had a, a, a like a, a you, you wouldn't have been able to do that before. Um, Cause like, yeah, art world stuff, it always gets so complicated so fast with like galleries and this and that, or like, um, 
Actually, I used Janie's music like in a in one of the like Stella McCartney videos that I did. Oh wow! Um, yeah, which was good. Like I always try, but it's it's also like I don't like to complicate. I'm, I'm like I have a huge fear of like causing other people emails, <laughs> like invoices, <laughs> like just like I don't want to like drag them into. Not that, and it's always been like it is actually. Stella was like one of the rare kind of commercial things that was just super easy and like just really no questions asked and like I had total freedom. Um, but it it quickly it does not always work like that. Anything anything commercial and just like I the amount of emails sometimes that it takes for something that should like just not be that much work. It just I I don't. I get bogged down with it. And then I'm like worried. I get like nervous about caught, like subjecting other people to that. So then I just don't want to like bring them, yeah. bring them into the shit. But it's also, I mean, always if, if I can, I try to just to get everyone like paid and working and just yeah. like getting cool shit out there. Um, but yeah, I'm more like, I don't want to cause any problems for other people in a way. But the NFT thing is like it's quick and easy. Yeah. Um, and not and actually that's not true. Again, I should say that, but then like we worked on our thing for like weeks and sort of like passed passed things back and forth. Um and sort of like so yeah, it, I guess that's not quick, but um it felt but it felt easy because it felt natural. Yeah. So maybe it was easy, but it feels natural. And so then I just I equate that with easy but it's actually probably not like jamie spent a long time on his music and and then this it's like a culmination of years and years and years of like of, of us both working in these ways to like get to this point where yeah all of a sudden it's like just it is very natural to just like put those two things together yeah. in a relatively simple way so yeah, yeah. no that, that i mean that is kind of one of the things that i find beautiful about um all of the kind of like novel ways in which people say, and I'm, and I always, I'm always like fascinated how quick people are to sort of like demonize podcasting or NFTs. The one thing I do have with NFTs is the, you know, the energy expense expenditure. It seems really high. And I know, you know, people like Matt Dryhurst talk a lot about, well, you know, ETH2 is coming and, and Daniel Keller says the same thing. He's like, so this is just like a stop gap be- until we get to that place. Right. So that yeah. is my concern as someone who's not a climate change denier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've known Dan for years and years. Like Dan knows, I, I also am just kind of like trusting the people who Dan knows infinitely more about this shit than I do like he's been so focused on this stuff for so many years and like um so I just kind of like uh yeah I I mean if he says and also he he also has a knowledge of the art world too like the whole nft thing is really funny because um these people like don't know about the art world and like shipping the logistics of the art world are the most piggish horrible like, I mean, people, oh, yeah. artists will fly halfway around the world to have a fucking dinner with a curator of a museum because they think that it's going to like, you know, because they need to like network to get the show. Like, it, it, like they're literally, it's like, I mean, the carbon footprint of the art world, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, totally. And it, that's, and that, art, yeah, yeah. The art fairs and then like the crates, even just like a, a show somewhere, the, the crates and the shipping and the, 
I, dude, like there's, it's, it's so bad already. So I'm yeah, like, I've heard, uh, at least with the NFT stuff, like, I don't know, there's something about that that seems very like, you could actually, uh, I know that they're working on, yeah, it's Ethereum 2 or whatever. And it seems almost like a more p problem that can be like pinpointed. Whereas like the logistics of people like in the, I don't know, art world stuff, just sort of like flying around the world and shipping things. That's a, that's much more insidious maybe because it just seems like you can't really be tracking all of that stuff. Yeah. But at least with the, like the blockchain stuff, you can really pinpoint and like zero in on the, like the exact energy consumption problems. Whereas like there's all totally. this, like otherwise these people are just moving or like physically moving things around the world and there's no way to know exactly even how much or something do you know what i mean like I'm not no 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 i a hundred percent see that point and that's actually something i i heard and then i heard somebody argue like well then why don't you just people just stop making art like why don't you just cancel the whole art world it's like wait what <laughs> what everyone just work for amazon and yeah yeah it it's like you know obviously the art world is endowed with you know its fair share of problems and bullshit but it at what expense is it to just sort of cancel the entire thing <laughs> like i had a friend who who made this movie a documentary and she's like an old friend from like music days she was like you know i don't want to get too deep into it but she made like a pretty controversial movie and Amazon, it was a documentary and Amazon uh, made a contract to put it out and to stop other movies like this from being made. They no longer accept documentaries as, as feature submissions to <laughs> Amazon. Like they were willing to kill off an entire sector just to stop this thing and and kind of baller. <laughs> it's so crazy i mean but it makes them not powerful that they just have to like sh shut down the whole thing well yeah because it you know because it detracts from their whole existence and like right. the impetus of why they operate the way they do if 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 they're platforming some things that could potentially be detrimental that have right. like a very clear fact-based, you know, sort of like byline of stuff that could potentially take away from their business. They would rather just be like, no, we're just going to shut it all down and fund our own documentaries from now on that say exactly things that are, you know, so great and fun and wonderful about like the way we operate and the way we do things. So, so I think that I, but I think that's what makes something good is like if you can do that. But that's all that's a certain kind of thing. That's like a documentary. Now with like visual art, I do think there's like a narrative in your work in that how you blend the organic and the sort of like digital realm because as a millennial, you know, like we're the same age, I think, probably or something like that. And not I was to born in 86. Uh, I was I'm 87, so okay. I um like we were sort of given one world, the sort of like quote unquote analog world, the right. the the world of sort of like human as centric to all enlightened experience. And then we were sort of like thrust into this digital mediated world, which is why I think millennials are so mentally ill and fucked up is they sure. don't, they have no way to reconcile the two different temporalities 
that they were like that they were sort of given or they were brought into. It's like they imprint something onto you. Like you don't necessarily have control over it. But I think it's a way of like taking over control is where I'm just like, just go with the flow, you know, why not? Yeah, no, I was pretty like mentally ill as like a 20 something person, like very strong uh, BPD vibes. I actually did this amazing therapy specifically for borderline personality disorder called um dialectical behavioral therapy which was amazing it's it teaches you again like the exact opposite of what the mindset is right now out there which is like if you want to think of yourself as a victim you will permanently suffer like until you just accept the world in the way it is and sort of like you know that things are not either good or bad or evil or whatever it just it just kind of is it's very based on like buddhism yeah um, or like mindfulness stuff but not not even like in the corny way like the new age stuff that can get really creepy really quickly but like um uh no just kind of like com more like comforting simple ideas and just like it's a it's also just about simply taking responsibility like for your behaviors and stuff and then you just like won't be a fucking shithead anymore um <laughs> But yeah, also I don't like, uh, I don't drink anymore. I mean, uh, since like 2000 or do, like really do drugs like, since, uh, Christmas, 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't drank in almost eight years. Yeah. I think, I don't know, seven years this year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I did the whole AA thing and kind of got you know turned off by some of the dogma involved because like i'll do sure. psychedelics and you know like i like to trip sometimes like yeah sure like i'll take ecstasy once in a blue moon and i'm not gonna like i don't want to ever stop doing that because it's not my problem so right um but yeah no i definitely think that there's something to just being extremely present and accepting things the way they are. I like when I was an alcoholic, I was all, or I don't want to say, cause that sounds like lame to say, but I'd had, I was a heavy drinker. I always painted myself. It was like, everything was like me against the world. You oh, wronged yeah. me. It, it's your fucking fault. Why yeah. does this person have X and Y I don't. And, that is it's just funny because everyone has that they everyone operates that way like that yeah like alcoholically you think you're so yeah it's like alcoholic behavior like you think you're so special and unique and you're it's just you're actually like so yeah run of the mill just like out of control kind of shitty person um that like doesn't want to take responsibility for anything and everything is someone else's fault like nothing is ever your fault which is a it's a and it's a very um, miserable existence as well. Like not just the, the drinking aside or whatever, the drugs, like act, just like really kind of believing those things is a terrible existence. And that's oh, why yeah. like, when I see all this me too stuff and kind of, um, and even recently, like the kind of, well, like Paris, I don't know if you saw like, so Paris Hilton sort of coming out as a survivor for her like boarding school stuff. And then Britney Spears, and then even like that thing that just happened with Meghan Markle, like the, you know, royal family shit, all yeah. these like very, it's really wild to me to see like 
Britney Spears or something like who, when I was growing up was one of, I, I can't even think of a more powerful person than like Britney yeah. Spears. She was just like everywhere. And then like years later, sort of like doing the victim thing, which is like such a, I, I mean, that that stuff is so much more wrapped up in like celebrity and all this stuff. And I'm sure there was horrible things that happened. Like, I can't imagine that it was all good, but yeah. Um, but just to like, to, like, that's the narrative now is like all these powerful, powerful people are just like, oh yeah, like this would be horrible. I, I, don't, I yeah. don't know. Well, you know, Meg, Megan Markle was complaining about some like tiff she got over her sister-in-law over like a dress or something. And it, it, it was like, it's like, I was silenced. It's like, you have a platform to speak to billions of people whenever you want it. Like you can say anything that you want. And so essentially it's like, why? But I think like, again, I think it goes back to this thing of, I think like part of the, narrative that surrounds me too or like a lot of this kind of like woke activism is that it is still reconciling with a narrative that is moved beyond its usefulness because like what is it to be cool anymore like who is even cool like what i you know like what hasn't been touched or disseminated in one way or another it's like i think well, this is why I'm so interested in blockchain is like, I'm just really interested in the forms of intelligence that you can't ascribe local and contingent reason towards. And like, and to me, I think like nature is one of those things. I think a lot about, you know, how, you know, indigenous people, um, Native Americans, like they built Chaco Canyon and Pueblo Bonito, which is like this huge fucking labyrinth underneath Mm -hmm. a rock you know, that would be inevitably struck by lightning. And the reason they did this is they're like, you know, human corrupts, you know, being existence is corruption. So they would rather have their, like, it's like they set a timetable knowing that when that boulder would be struck by lightning, it would destroy their entire labyrinth. And I think that there's like a wisdom to that, that, people don't see they just think things can like go on forever and they like like time is inevitably linear and just because you experience this thing one way means that we all do and like it's my story this is listen to my story but it's like they're that is breaking down like all of these narratives and allegories they don't apply anymore right for sure Okay, I don't know if you're back, but yeah, I'm, I'm back. back. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I made this huge pot of um, green tea. I'm just getting like super quirked up on. Oh, my, uh, <laughs> it's like my new. Well, actually, it's not new, but um, you've yeah. you're you're the. I think you're like the first quirked up. You're you're the originator of quirked up. I don't. Am I? <laughs> Yeah, you're like you're like the the total you're like the vanguard and queen of like the quirked up the quirked up girl. I, quirked up is just code for like BPD. <laughs> I don't know. I think I like it. I think it's good. Yeah, it's like a man. There's like I I have a respect for like manic online energy. Um, but again, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh. E- 
yeah, I just come from like also I spent a lot of years on like for like forums and stuff and like just banter. I, I really miss that about the uh the internet in terms of like kind of like I don't know, more friend friendly trolling or something. Um Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like it from a, a place that doesn't yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel so parasocial. But I think mm-hmm. I think the quirked up people are pretty they kind of stay in their lane which i like mm-hmm. like they're very sort of like cryptic and they talk about their like own personal shit or their sort of like fleeting ideas and this like i think in sort of like a more artistic way than like let me separate my sentences and like do something like super formalist like you know it's like a ted talk or something like that and i think when I think that's my whole issue with Clubhouse. And you're really right. into landscaping. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, love I, I love your landscaping photos that you post. Did you see the... I sent you a link um, in the... I replied to the email. Oh, okay. Me. Oh, um, I see. I didn't... Let me, let me check that right now. It's like the start of... This is like the project that I worked on, I mean, pretty much all last year. Like it started in... I cut, we cut down these big, huge pine trees. Oh, wow. In front of our house. And then um, down at the end, yeah, are the most recent ones. I like took some pictures yesterday. But uh, yeah. Um, and I felt, I felt kind of like a maniac for chopping down mature trees. But these trees were like a garbage species, like these Canary Island pines these idiots planted three of them in the middle, in the middle of the yard, like way too close together. Um, They planted like one for each kid. And I was like, (laughs) like cut them down. Um, But actually the woman who lived here before us had to cut one down already because they were just too close. And like, they were just eating each other and destroying each other, but they're like 90, 90 foot tall trees in the center of the lawn they shit needles everywhere. So you can't really like be barefoot. And then they would drop these at just random times. These huge ass pine cones would drop, which would have like, we have the, we, we have tiny dogs. They would have like killed a dog. They would have really concussed a person. It just, it just sucked. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to be a maniac and like chop huge trees down. And they're not special. They're not like in California, the trees that you cannot touch are the um, a coast live oak or also like that's a native tree or um, sycamores are also protected. And then there's these other ones, which are actually, I hate them because I get mad allergies from them, but they're like these black walnut trees um, that are, uh, I think, a bit threatened. So you can't like touch any of those trees. If you, yeah. if they found out you would, you could get like a big fine. Wow. I was reading somewhere they, they made an example of some people who like trimmed an oak and they fined them like half a million dollars, which um, seems really, really intense. But uh, yeah, and people like had no idea. Um, but they, yeah, just they wanted to make an example of them. So yeah. Um, but I was really into. And also, the other thing with those trees, like those type of trees, like pine trees are like the needles in them they they have these acids that make it 
kind of tough for other things to grow and they shade out anything yeah. all the stuff that i really I grew love. up i yeah i grew up with that same pine tree in the front in the front yard they're they're okay in some places but like i it's too big of a tree for a like a suburban lawn they're yeah. they're just huge yeah um, they are it was like way bigger than because i grew up in a really small house and like we had this just huge pine tree out front and it just kind of like i kind of liked it but yeah i definitely got bonked in the head by a few pine cones <laughs> we had we have another tree we have a huge oak in the backyard that's like over 100 years old and i would never ever touch that like that's a very majestic respectable tree um like i know i know the difference but and also i'm not going to lie just aesthetically those pine trees like i didn't like them um but also because they were not they weren't original to the house like the oak tree was planted with the house i think there's like some meaning with that to kind of preserve that but the 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 people when they built it they had never planned for like these two other trees to be smacked right in the middle of the lawn and it blocked the house like you couldn't see it um and it was getting in the way of my master plan of making a meadow which i became like very obsessed with meadows um, but in combination with like, like I, I like mass plantings. Um, so like kind of a sea of one type of plant and the plant that I was, I got really obsessed with was, was this, um, grass from New Zealand called Poesita.